herzlich willkommen zu Socks. Hello and welcome to Socks, so-called strangers. My name is Christine and I have called strangers to find out what we have in common. You only live once. That's, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> make it count. That's my thing. You only live once. Make it count. The stranger I'm meeting today is Brenda. She's 41 and from Zimbabwe. Brenda grew up in Zimbabwe's capital Harare and lives now in Cape Town in South Africa. She's a single mother of two girls, aged 10 and 4, and she works in finance. She's a non-nonsense person with a wonderful warm love. Brenda has the kind of energy that doesn't drain yours, but adds to your own. Talking to Brenda felt to me like taking a shower while drinking a glass of champagne. Warm, refreshing, bubbly, personal, inspiring. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I am meeting Brenda during a break at her work. She jumps right in, skipping the part where you usually introduce each other and exchange some phrases to warm up. Brenda migrated from Zimbabwe because of the political and economic situation there. Like millions of other Zimbabwean young people, she had to leave the country to find employment. Her sister left for the US when Brenda was only 16 and they haven't met in 25 years. Even when their mother passed away in 2010, Brenda's sister couldn't attend the funeral. These are the kind of challenges we meet, Brenda says. Within the first two minutes of our conversation, Brenda tells me this sad story. What do I know about immigration? We talk in Germany about so-called economic immigrants, But what do I know about their struggles to leave their home country? Not much. I try to imagine the hurdles and problems you're facing when you decide to leave, when you're forced to find a place to stay, a job, peace and stability in a foreign country. How it must feel like to know that your mother has died and you cannot attend the funeral. Brenda calls the situation a challenge because I guess it was just one of many sad and difficult situations she had to face and overcome and deal with. So yeah, those are the other challenges that we we kind of meet here. Mm. I think Brenda's a woman who doesn't lose herself in despair and sorrow. She's a woman who dusts herself off and walks on. Mind you, I've only been talking for her for like two minutes here. And still, her bravery to open the conversation with such a personal story have already won me over. Brenda has three siblings. All of them had to leave Zimbabwe while her father stayed back. He's fortunate to own a small farm where he keeps chicken and grows tobacco. But the situation in the country has been so dire that his children send him food regularly. It's another task I cannot imagine at all. Brenda calls it, I'm running to households. 
as she has to pay the bills for herself and her two daughters and still contribute to the food packages the siblings send home. They send rice, powdered milk, sugar, washing powder, just basics really. Zimbabwe's own industries cannot provide what its people need, so most of the products have to be imported. The official currency has no purchasing power. Most people pay in US dollars. Brenda tells me that the prices for everything are so exorbitant that the average person cannot afford anything. Consequently, she says, social illnesses like drug addiction have been on the rise. It's a mess, Brenda says. She knows people her age, educated and skilled, who stayed in Zimbabwe and have never worked. And the younger people don't have any perspective for their lives. We've been forced to migrate, which is not good because it, there isn't much of a, let's say, you know, people take for granted stuff like you, you come together over Christmas as a family and you see each other. We don't have things like that. You You, you, you can go for years without seeing your siblings or your parents and you just rely on, you know, talking to them over the phone and, you know, video calling and stuff like that. You're forced to migrate, which is not good, she says. I learn that the painful part of not living in her home country is not that she misses the place, It's that she misses out on being with a family. Home is where the family is. And if you're forced to leave your family, you might not see them for years. No one prepares you for that kind of homesickness. Christmas, family gatherings, anything that's taken for granted in other families is suddenly no longer possible. Worse, when Brenda's mom got cancer... She couldn't be there for her as much as she would have wanted to. She told Brenda how glad she was that Brenda had found a job and become successful and independent. But I know that it was still hard for her not to be at her side all the time. I know because I was on an airplane to fly to my father's when he passed away. You hold on to everything they said to you, but it haunts you forever that you could be there all the time. Ah, heavy topic. Uh, straight on to identity issues. Ten minutes into our call. No time for chit-chat here. You know, everybody has an indigenous language. It's like, when you know when you feel like they are, we are getting lost in between all this because... We've got our own language that we speak, our home language. Mm -hmm. But because our kids are being born in a different country, they, they don't necessarily speak our own language and they are not aware of the traditions that we have or that we have had. As I think, um, I don't know, with other cultures, I'm sure everyone has their own set traditions where certain things are done in a certain way but they are not learning those things because we are kind of far away from home. And it's like, eventually, like your, your let's say your tribe to say, like the, 
kind of gets along the, the way, gets lost. And like my kids can't speak my language. What is your language, Brenda? They speak in, in, they only speak English. And what's your language, Brenda? What's your, what's your dialect? My whole language is Shona. It's Shona. Okay. Yes. And yeah, so, so language is one part, I think, of the, of the culture that you just grow up in and you it's 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 inside you whether you know you're, you're not even consciously aware that it's such a big part of your life until you move somewhere yes. and then you realize you can't convey it because you need the village you need the people you need neighbors you need a family right yeah it's to, like to teach it is that right yeah It's like a form of identity crisis. Mm -hmm. they, they won't know exactly who they are because so those that's the other downside of, of not being in a space where you, 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 you are meant to be in. They are lost in between all this, Brenda says, as she's looking at her girls. She wonders how much of her own culture she can teach them, how much she can convey of what is important to her. As the girls were born in South Africa, they didn't learn how to speak Brenda's language, Shona. And there are certain traditions, certain ways of doing things, which you cannot even learn. You just know, because you grew up with it. I think I understand this worry, because... It's such a fun part of parenting to teach your kids something you remember from your own childhood. My children too grew up between two languages with a variety of lullabies and nursery rhymes and books I hadn't known. It's weird to watch them build their own world of references and it took me some time to accept that. Brenda, however, calls it a form of identity crisis. She wonders, will her girls know exactly who they are? It's another downside, she says, of not being in the space where you are meant to be in. The girls can't relate to the people in South Africa because that's not who they are, she says. But they haven't been exposed to the people from Zimbabwe either, so they can't really relate to them. Oh, I'm happy to see Brenda laugh when she concludes. I'm actually quite curious to see how they're going to deal with this when they grow up. And she adds, and you know, they don't even know what they're missing. The girl's father is from Burundi. He's Muslim, while Brenda is Christian. She calls him a hands-on father who looks after the girls every other weekend. As if we hadn't touched on deep subjects already, we dive straight into marriage and the role of the woman in a marriage. You, you feel like you belong to someone and you, you, you tend to do what they want and you, you don't have um, free will. Like you, you, what you like to do kind of is ignored. Like. In the African way of doing things, Brenda says, they have these set rules of what a man and a woman should be in a relationship. And although times are changing, some still embrace these traditional ideas. What's so fascinating, she says, is when the woman accepts her role, but the man doesn't commit to his. Huh? I must look a bit confused. 
because she gives me an example. It's the woman's duty to take care of the house and raise the kids, but she's also obliged to work and pay for half of the bills. Yeah, I'm dumbfounded. Eventually, Brenda found it difficult to stay in the relationship setup, as she calls it. I'm so impressed with how Brenda has analyzed the situation. She talks calmly about it, as if she was talking about two parts of a machine that no longer work together, rather than blaming her ex for his behavior. But no, no accusations. She even calls him a nice guy and how she had to convince her own family that the relationship wasn't working. It was damaging to my mental health, she says. She felt whatever she wanted was ignored. She didn't want to stay in the relationship because she didn't want her girls to see it and think this is normal. It's actually not normal, she says. So Brenda decided to leave. And it's so funny, she recalls, when the neighbors would ask her months after he had moved out how he was doing. And I would say he's fine. There was a certain level of embarrassment. There was a feeling that she had failed. She adds that growing up, she was drafted into this being a wife, being a mother type of role. And if you kind of step away from it and rebel... It's like you commit an ultimate sin. I had to find it within myself to accept that no man, this is, this is, this had to happen and people will still judge me. I had to find it within myself to accept that no man, this had to happen, Brenda says. People will still judge me as the rebel who walked out of her marriage, which looked so fine on the outside. But she realized she wasn't built to stay in the subordinate role, as expected. Needless to say, I found myself now. Wow. If that's not the best thing that you can say about yourself, Brenda, I don't know what is. Brenda and her daughters now live in their new apartment. Although the older girl is quite independent and helpful, Brenda makes sure she gets enough time to just be a child. I carry a lot under my wing, Brenda says. Evenings are busy. Brenda comes home after work, then there's supper and homework and bath time. And after putting them to bed, Brenda makes consciously time to look after her own mental health because she feels that it's important to process and reflect on things so that with all the stress, she can be a good mother to her kids. I am already in awe. And then Brenda adds that she sometimes has to do a school run during lunchtime and take her daughter home, go back to work, then then fetch the little one, and shopping, and supper, and yeah, she says, and life goes on. This woman seems to have some superpower. Where does she recharge, I wonder? It's the two weekends every month, she replies, when the girls are with their father. It's strange, she muses, how he still thinks he is doing her a favor when he spends time with them and doesn't quite understand that it's exciting to build a relationship with your child. 
Shall we talk about men now in general and about whether fathers are better off than mothers? Brenda tells me about the traditional child-rearing role of the women in her community and culture. Men are free to walk away and leave you to raise his child all by yourself, she says. It's your, it's the woman's responsibility. Men have too much freedom and they still want more. I still don't hear any bitterness in her voice. And there's no resignation either. I sense that Brenda and her girlfriends, who are also single working mothers, almost shake their heads in disbelief when they talk about their exes. Because these men, they just don't see what they're missing. We exchange our views on why the workload at home between parents is still shared unequally. We both call it work because it's not only physically demanding, but also mentally. Brenda wraps it up by quoting her ex, saying, You don't have any work with the laundry because the washing machine is doing all the work. And we, 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 just, we just can't stop laughing. Yeah, my ex-husband used to say, oh, you don't even do the laundry. The washing machine does it. Ah! And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing to myself? <laughs> uh, I sometimes need a place to sit down and cry, Brenda says. To me, that's very important. I like to be in my corner. Her favorite things to do after the kids are in bed is to run a bath. She'd have a glass of wine, think things through, take time for herself and unwind. She tells me that she can't always talk to others about her struggles because the next person is going through more or less the same. And their opinion may be that it's a woman's role. Get used to it. It's what it is. And you'd stop feeling sorry for yourself because that also is not going to help. And then I'm, Brenda says, I'm like, no man. You find coping mechanisms basically and you stop feeling sorry for yourself because that's also not going to help. Hey, Brenda, I find a bit of self-pity every now and then is quite okay, isn't it? Yeah, Brenda says. That's why you sit in a closed little room from time to time and you cry and you find yourself. I quite admire her to tell me that she also has moments when she, superwoman, feels lost and that she allows herself to feel that and to find herself again. Brenda also believes in her very real reward system. Every now and then she would buy something nice for herself to lift her mood to tell herself that she is worthy, that she has done well. If my mother was alive, I would call her and she would have a kind word for me and tell me, you're doing so well. Ah, oh, it makes me sad to hear that. Because I know that I'm still longing for my parents' approval and praise and how one tries to replace that. Brenda confirms that her mom was also a role model for being an independent woman. Even in her traditional marriage, she would put her foot down and make sure that her daughters would not allow to be treated in a certain way.
Brenda and I look forward to seeing our daughters grow up to be strong, independent and confident. Brenda agrees. I celebrate when I see women who got girls, that they are getting educated, that they are not focused on just getting a man. They need to be able to take care of themselves to be assertive enough before they jump into any long-term commitment. Well, amen to that. Brenda adds that she thinks one should first get to know oneself and then get into a serious relationship. Maybe the chance of meeting a better partner is higher when you wait until you know yourself more. If I came to Cape Town on one of her free weekends, we could meet for lunch and roam her favorite vintage shops. Brenda calls herself a loner, which surprises me. She's so wonderfully open and warm. I can only imagine her with a huge circle of friends. But it's not like that. I've never been a person who allows a lot of people into my space, she explains. And my friends know that you can come to my house, but you need to tell me. And she needs to be okay with it. I think she's right that it's also a matter of age. You get to a point where you get rid of people who are not in line with you. She now has a close circle of true friends. Does she mind a good night out? I don't mind at all, she smiles. It's an interesting combination, isn't it? You're, yeah. you're, you like to be by yourself. Mm -hmm. And your circle of friends is rather small. Yes. And But you don't mind having a good night out. I do not mind at all. <laughs> 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 I try to imagine popping over after proper notice, of course. You should come, she says. Cape Town is beautiful. The wine farms, the ocean, the beach, the mountain. It's amazing. Life is not fast paced. It's very mellow and slow, but nice. Everything is a breeze here, literally. Well, Brenda's life doesn't sound like a breeze to me. No wonder her motto is, you only live once, make it count. I will not allow my sorrows to overtake me, she says. I have so much to be grateful for. Life back home is really bad and I'm privileged to be here. I embrace the small successes and I celebrate anything. I celebrate you, Brenda. You rock. It was so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule. Although we live such different lives, you made it so easy for me to feel close to you. I take so many inspirations from this conversation, mostly that, that strength and vulnerability are not a contradiction. You showed me that the courage to find your true self gave you the power to live your best life. Let's stay in touch, Brenda. Don't be a stranger. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. What an honor. Thanks. Thank you, Christine. Take care, Brenda. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> This was Socks, so-called strangers. I hope you enjoyed the episode. A transcript in English and German and photos of all episodes can be found 
at socalledstrangers.de. For questions or comments, please contact me at socalledstranger, one stranger, at gmx.net. Don't be a stranger. <laughs>